Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Hey, Fox River, got a quick little exercise for us, right? If we're not in a good mood already, hopefully we can be in an even better mood here. Check this out. Okay, think of a time, all right? Actually, imagine this in your mind. Think of a time from your past when life was good, like really good. All right, think of like what was life like back then? Who was there? All right, what made life so good? I mean, exactly. Just kind of imagine that for a second. All right, get to your happy place, okay? All right, when, when I think about that for me, here's what comes to mind. I think of a time about 12 years ago. Um, back then, life was good. My dad was still alive. I was just getting into cycling. I love riding my bike, all right? My family was growing. I had a beautiful wife, still do, by the way, all right? We were, we were praying, as a family, we were praying um, for our fourth child, Melania, and she wasn't even born yet, all right? Just a great time of faith and anticipating what God might do. I was growing in my faith. Not only was I sharing Jesus on the job at my workplace, but also began serving here at Fox River within the youth ministry. I was a little skinnier back then. That doesn't hurt. <laughs> Definitely had more hair, so I mean, life was good in that way too. But like, life was really good. And sometimes I hope for good times like that again. But if I'm not careful, like when I'm looking at pictures of my family, or if I'm daydreaming about my dad, like seeing him again, you know, or some of the times that we shared in the past, if I'm not careful, I can begin to chase hope by living in the past, and, and that's not good, right? Now, people have been chasing hope for thousands of years, and just like us, they've chased hope and they've placed hope in all sorts of things, such as, and maybe some of these will resonate with us, Man, I hope the sports team does better. Maybe we can even make the playoffs next year because that would be fun. You know, you kind of put your hope in that. Maybe it has to do with, like, you know, your, your self-image. If I just lose some more weight or if I get some different clothes, then people will accept me or people will like me or want to be around me. Maybe it has to do with money. If I just make more money, if my business really takes off this year, if the market kind of takes an upturn, then you know what? That's going to make life easier. I'll be able to provide for my family. I'll be able to do some of the things that I enjoy more. I mean, that, that'll really make a difference, and we place our hope there. Or here's one that some of us might find extremely relevant. Man, I just, just hope for the right governmental leaders to get elected next time around, and it doesn't matter what four-year cycle or six-year cycle we're on. We're always hoping that because, man, if the person gets elected that's right for the job, that'll just fix everything. All the problems will go away, Right? I mean, isn't that, that's a, like when you say it like that, like, huh, yeah, that's, that's, I definitely put my hope in that, that way sometimes. That, that's kind of crazy. See, the funny thing is, we tend to, as human beings, we tend to place our hope and chase hope into things everywhere except the one place that will actually find it and be satisfied. See, some of us, once we realize that and God turns the light, bulb, light bulbs on in our minds to that fact, Man, we kind of get discouraged just for a moment, and I don't want us to hang out there too long, but we need some good news, and that's what this board, this sign is here for us for, because I need you to encourage me. So let's say this together. Let's say hope has a name. Ready? Hope has a name. Let's do it again. Ready? Hope has a name. We're going to reference back to this a bunch of times during today's message, and I think together we can just encourage one another by saying hope 
has a name, all right? So don't fade out on me. We gotta keep this going strong so we can just encourage each other, okay? So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get into things. We're gonna have some fun today. I think it's gonna be super encouraging. I'm counting on that. I'm counting on the Holy Spirit to deliver in that regard. But before we have our fun with the scripture and what God has in store for us, would you allow me to pray for you and I, please? Lord God, we thank you for today. What a gift you've given us. You didn't have to give us today, but you did. God, you don't have to be here with us in the room and online, but you are. God, your grace is not only sufficient, but it's wonderful. And God, we say thank you. God, we're gonna pray as a church for the impossible to take place here this weekend. God, that we might hear from you and that we might understand what you're trying to tell us, Lord. And God, if we can be so bold as you command us to do in Hebrews chapter four, God, to come to your throne with boldness, your throne of grace, God, that's what we're doing right now. We're gonna ask not only for hearing, not only for understanding, but Lord, we're gonna ask for the grace that's necessary for us to hear and understand, but also choose to follow you and respond in faith to your good message and your good news, Lord Jesus. And inside of all of that, and certainly above all of that, Lord, we pray this most of all, that the name of Jesus Christ would be glorified in our hearts, but God, also through our lives. As a church, we say together, amen. Okay, are you ready? Okay, because we are going to bunny hop through scriptures. We're gonna move rapidly through scripture. We're gonna chase hope together through the scriptures. And while we're moving fast, listen, don't get discouraged. Don't lose hope because we're gonna actually find hope. But it's gonna take a few minutes to get there. You ready? All right, here we go. Okay, all right. We're gonna go to Luke chapter 12. You don't have to turn there. I'm just, like I said, we're moving quickly here, but we're gonna land the plane in a little bit, okay? Luke chapter 12, I wanna share something with you real quick. Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells this parable. He says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So there's a rich guy, he plants some seed, the harvest comes in, and it's a crazy good harvest. He's like, whoa, I'm even more rich now than I was before. He thought to himself, what shall I do? Huh, what a beautiful problem I have on my hands. I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns that I currently have and I'll build bigger ones in their place. And there I will store my surplus grain. Oh, it's gonna be great. I'm so rich. You have plenty, and then I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Time to retire, baby, okay? All right, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then Jesus closes like this. He says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. You see, money or wealth, money is a blessing from God, but it becomes a curse if we don't see it that way. I'm gonna say it again. Money is a blessing from God, but it becomes a curse in our life if we don't see it as a blessing from God. It's not wise to trust in wealth when it comes to our future. When we die, what happens to our wealth then? Our 401k and go with you. Sorry for the bad joke there, but it can't go with you. You can't take your money with you. When the, 
When you die, that's it. Listen, here we go. I warned you. Let's do this together. Ready? 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 Hope has a name, but it's not money. It's not. All right, I want to share something from you real quick. This is from John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Jesus is speaking with a woman at the well. This might be something that some of us are familiar with. He's speaking with a woman at a well, and this well is located just outside of a city. And here's how some of the conversation goes. Jesus says this to her. Everyone who drinks this water out of this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I won't have to keep coming back to this well to draw water. So Jesus told her, Go, call your husband and come back. She answered, I have no husband. Then Jesus said, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had Five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. See, this woman, she's lived a life full of hurt and heartbreak. And every time life falls apart, she chases hope into the next relationship. I know some of us can relate to what this woman is living at this point in the story. Some of you are gonna get this reference. Others of us may not, that's okay. But this whole idea of you complete me is totally false. It's a fairy tale. It's a lie from the pit of hell. No husband, no wife, no fiance, no friend, no family member. No one will be able to make your heart whole. Listen, ready, ready, here we go, let's do this. Hope has a name, but it's not relationships. Not for a second. All right, I wanna share something with you. This is from John chapter 19. Remember, we're just, we're just flying here. This is about a man named Pontius Pilate. Now, Pontius Pilate served as a soldier and a leader in the Roman military, okay, so like 2,000 years ago. Pontius Pilate worked his way up the ranks. He worked hard, he dedicated his life to ascending the ranks, and then he finally was appointed Roman prefect or a governor of the Judean province, all right, Judah. We know it as Israel, okay? So Israel at the time when Jesus was alive on earth, Rome ruled over Israel. Pontius Pilate was the governor of that territory, okay? Pilate was a, a man of great power, great authority. Everywhere he went, he commanded respect, and people feared him. This is John chapter 19, verse 11. Uh, nine, excuse me. So Pilate's having a conversation with Jesus. This is like mere hours, like, like three, four, five, six hours before Jesus is crucified and dies. So Pilate goes into the palace and he says this. He asks Jesus, hey, where do you come from? But Jesus gave no answer. Pilate said, do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize that I have power? I've worked my whole life. I'm, I'm governor. I'm prefect. I kind of run this show. I don't know if you've noticed this, Jesus, but you're at my mercy right now. Don't you understand that I have the power to free you or to have you crucified? And Jesus answers, 
you would have no power over me unless it were given you from above. Huh. See, Pilate thought his promotions would bring meaning and significance to his life. His whole identity was wrapped up in, I'm the governor of Judea. I've got so much power. Everybody's scared of me. Like, his whole identity was tied to that. But Jesus, in an instant, he revealed to Pilate that all this hard work, his entire life, had amounted to nothing. Ready? Hope has a name, but it's not position, it's not power, and it's not popularity. I've got a friend who many years ago began using. He hoped it would bring him happiness. He hoped it would bring him escape from all the problems in his life at the time, but guess what, it didn't. He was chasing hope, but all he found were lies, pain, suffering, and he came about this close to dying. Hope has a name, but it's not drugs, it's not alcohol, and it's not pornography. It's not. We place our hope in a lot of things, don't we? It just doesn't pan out. I need some hope. How about you? Anybody need some hope? All right, let's get into Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. This is where we're going to hang out for a couple minutes, okay? Luke chapter 8. Feel free to turn there in your Bibles or your digital device of choice. Luke chapter 8. And here's what's going on in Luke chapter 8. Jesus is in the middle of his ministry of teaching, meaning he unpacks the scriptures and explains them so people can understand. He's preaching, which means he's proclaiming, hey, the kingdom of God is here. It's in our midst. All right, so he's teaching, he's preaching, and he's also healing. Right before, where we jump in here in a second, right before that, he was in a different country and he was healing someone and helping them, a couple people actually. But now he's returned to Israel, he's, he's back. And as we'll see here in a second, he's quite popular. So here we go. Luke chapter eight, we're gonna begin in verse number 40. Verse number 40, here we go. When Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting, hey, look, the master's back, the, the healer is back. You guys, come on, he's here. We've been, we knew he was coming back at some point. He's finally back. Whoa, I wonder what, what, what show we're gonna see now. This is crazy. Like, he's amazing. He, he does, just come on, come on, come on. So, anyways, that's the situation. Verse 41, then a man named Jairus, okay, Jairus, a synagogue leader, church leader, you could say, in, in, our, in our vernacular of the day, he came and he fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Things like that should not happen, right? Children should not suffer. We're, we know that's true. And this, the same dissonance in our spirit when we read something like that is the same dissonance that we feel nowadays when something like that hits home for us. It just shouldn't be that way, right? And we, we all feel it shouldn't be that way. And we, we hope. God has woven hope into the very fabric of our DNA. We hope for a time 
where things won't be like this, where children won't suffer, where there won't be pain in the world and, and heartache and hurt and disappointment and devastation and depression. Like, I just want something better. I'm hoping for it. God puts that inside each one of us because that day is coming. As Jesus was on his way, because he says, okay, Jairus, I'll come with you. I'll help your daughter. So as Jesus is on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. You ever been in a large crowd? Maybe you've been to like a soccer game over in Europe or you've even seen it on TV or something. It's just like there's standing room only and that's, that's an understatement. People just pressing against. Maybe you've been at a wedding and it's one of those weddings where just a lot of people like dancing and you just, you're just trying to get some hors d'oeuvres and they're just coming like, oh my goodness, you're on the dance floor. You're like, man, or, or, or something like that. You ever been in a big crowd where just people are pressing in? You almost feel crushed. It's like borderline dangerous. Like, man, this could turn bad really quick. That's the situation here. As Jesus is on his way, the crowd almost crushed him and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years but no one could help her no one this woman had her time of the month for 12 years straight now how would people not everybody there was probably a few decent people in the crowd, but how would most of the crowd, just generally speaking, when they saw this woman, if they were to see this woman, what would they have thought about her? How would they have described her? Here's a couple words that they might have used. She's poor. She's pathetic. She's clearly ill, right? Not many people could read back then, but especially women, just because of the culture at the time, especially women, like Hardly any women knew how to read. So not only is she ill, but she's illiterate. She's got no, no friends. She's got no family. She's unliked. No one wants to be around her. Why, why would someone want to be around her? She's got no friends. She's got no family. She's unliked and she's unclean. God tells us in Leviticus that when a woman has her time of the month, back in that day, that she was considered ceremonially unclean. It wasn't that something was wrong with her, it's just God had certain rules. If you come into his presence, you had to be a certain way. So a woman had to wait until that time of the month was done. During that period, a woman couldn't come near people because anybody she touched she would make ceremonially unclean. So she couldn't go near people, but she couldn't go near God. She couldn't worship during that week or so. But this woman had been dealing with this for 12 years. She couldn't come close to people. She couldn't come close to God. She was isolated and alienated from society. It had been 12 long years since she felt normal, since the last time she received a hug or even a warm smile for that matter. It had been 12 long years since she felt close to God, since she'd been able to worship God in community with her Jewish culture. This is part of who she was made to be, was to worship God with her people, and she couldn't do that for 12 years. It had been 12 long years since the last time life was good. And on top of that, she'd spent all her money on doctors and none of it worked. Not a single doctor was able to help her with this. This woman was truly in a hopeless situation. She must have felt so devastated, so defeated in life at this time. I imagine she was very, I know I would have been, 
very close to giving up, very close to having this mindset, you know what, I'm just never gonna chase hope again. Can you imagine what that feels like? Can you imagine that when, when life just happens, okay, when, when you're just wondering, like how come other people don't have it hard like me? Knowing everywhere you go, I just, I just don't fit in here. I know that when I go to this place, I'm not gonna fit in. And then when I go to this place, I'm not gonna fit in. And when I go back home, I'm going home to, to an empty house because I just don't fit in anywhere. I just kinda live isolated by myself, realizing that nothing, truly nothing ever goes my way. And then having just to cope with this, this constant, continual calling and knocking of depression at your door. Just waiting to have you and to take you deeper. That's exactly how she felt. Until Luke chapter 8. Because a healer is in Town. All right, here we go. Verse 44. She came up behind. Remember, she's in the crowd. She's like, I mean, just trying. I don't know how she did this. This is a miracle in itself. I don't know how she got through this dense crowd. Maybe she went down to like, you know, this level and she's like pushing people's knees and like getting, I mean, I don't know how she did it. But, but verse 44 says she came up behind Jesus and she, she touched just barely the edge of his cloak. Just barely, and, and this, is, this is what um, every Jewish male wore during that time. God commanded it back in Numbers. Um, but they wore, and it wasn't exactly like this. This is, this, is a, this is like a prayer shawl or prayer garment, all right? But in Jesus' day, everyone wears kind of like a poncho, okay? Like a big old square and then a hole in it. You put your head in it. And, and, but, but the same is true about these tassels. You have tassels all on it. And then the edge, you would have these, these really long tassels called tzitzit in Hebrew, okay? But they're really, really long. So it, it seems that, that she just reached out. She's like, man, just touch the edge of his cloak, okay? So, so, so that's the situation that's going on in the midst of this super dense crowd, all right, so she came up behind him. She touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately the bleeding stopped. Hallelujah, this is great. She's like, yes, all right? But then verse 45, Jesus said, who touched me? And everyone denied it. Peter said, master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. What do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. Like, nobody's getting out of here alive. This is super crowded. But Jesus said, no, uh, 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 that's not what I mean. Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. So things went from, yes, I'm healed. And then a moment later, it went to, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Verse 47. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed any longer, she came trembling and she fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. You see, she was hiding. She was hiding, but now everyone was gonna recognize her as the poor, pathetic, ill, illiterate, isolated woman. And they're gonna know right away, hey, you shouldn't be here, I recognize you, you should not be here. And they're going to realize that she bumped into them. That unclean woman bumped in. Wait, now I'm unclean. 
okay, you see what's building here. And not only did she bump into other people, but she bumped into the healer too. In fact, she touched them on purpose. So now the healer is unclean. Now someone who has the power to heal probably has the power to punish as well. Maybe even kill if he's in the wrong type of mood, which it kind of sounds like he might be. So she didn't anticipate this part of the equation where things could be possibly even worse now that this has happened. But she knew part of what was coming because she had been here many times before. All right, she knew. Okay, here comes the anger. Here comes the hate. Definitely here comes the humiliation. Very familiar with that. Here comes the ridicule. Like I know I'm gonna get a lecture to say the least. The rage that's building during that. And ultimately, the rejection, which she is absolutely used to. She's been rejected by the entire world, by her people. I mean, who could imagine that? Amongst your own people being rejected. What a terrible feeling. Could anyone know what that felt like? So she shows herself. She spills the beans. She, she confesses everything in verse 48, but then Jesus responds to her, and he says this, daughter, daughter. Inside of that word, right, there's tenderness, there's affection, right? She had been shunned for 12 long years, yet inside of that word, daughter, Jesus is saying, I'm glad you're here. I know who you are, I know what you've done, but I accept you. You're good enough for me. I love you. And God loves you. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Listen, let's do this together. Ready? Hope has a name. And his name is, come on, somebody help me. Jesus. There we go. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. But here we go. Let's dive even deeper. Let's dive even deeper here for a second because your faith has healed you. What exactly does that mean? Is it simply, man, I just, I just came up with this crazy idea. I thought if I could just touch the edge of his, his cloak, just that little tassel on the eye, just, just, just hope to be healed. And you know what? It, it worked. My faith has healed me. That's, that's great. I made it up along the way and it, and it really worked out this time. That's, that's, is that what's happening or is there something else going on? I submit to you something else was going on. Perhaps this woman who probably could not read, she probably remembered something that was taught to her, something that was told to her from maybe over 12 years ago. And here's where that something might be. Malachi 4.2 which reads like this. But for you who fear my name, God is talking to his people. For those who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Translation, when Messiah comes, when the Christ comes, when the Son of God comes, when my chosen one has come, when God in the flesh is present on earth with his people, he will bring with him, he will have healing. She realizes that. Did, did you know, check this out, this is so cool. Did you know that the word wings, right, healing in his wings, the word wings, if you look at that word, what is that in Hebrew? It's the word kenephim. 
Can we say Kenafim together? Ready? Kenafim, all right? One more time. Kenafim, all right? So Kenafim means wings. But here's the crazy thing about Hebrew. We get a little bit in English, but even more so in Hebrew. Kenafim not only means wings, but it also means corners, as in corners of a garment. Meaning this woman was not merely wishing for a miracle or some kind of magic cure. No, she recognized Jesus as Hamashiach, the Christos, the anointed one, the son of God. Once again, God who tabernacles among us, God made man. She realizes, hey, he's the one. He's the one who had and has healing in his wings. And she thought, if I can just touch, just barely, I don't have to like get a hold. I just gotta just touch one of these, these tassels on the corner of his wing, on the corner, just to, if I can just, then I'll be healed, I'll be made whole. Oh, my life will change if I can just do that. See, the, the, the key to understanding this woman's faith and the healing that took place is, is kind of unpacking that and seeing why she did what she did, why she received healing by touching Jesus when no one else in the crowd received that same kind of healing. And what a beautiful picture of the gospel this is. Beautiful is that those who come to Jesus in faith receive healing and are made well and made clean. See, for the past 12 years, this woman, everything she touched, she ruined. But when she touched Jesus, she didn't make him unclean. Rather, healing and wholeness came out of him to her. But things get better because the woman, she received two healings that day. You see, she received healing for her body on the outside. That's what Jesus said, your faith has made you well. That's what that meant. Your, your body has been healed on the outside. But the second healing she received was on the inside. God forgave her her sins. That's what Jesus meant when he said, go in peace. I mean, think about it. Just, just let's hang out there for like five, 10 seconds. How else can somebody go in peace if there's not peace between God and them? If the problem between them, which is sin, if that's not solved, I can't go in peace. So Jesus gave her two healings that day. And we have the opportunity, each one of us, all the more some of us who haven't reached out to Jesus as Savior yet, we have the opportunity to go in peace today because I've got good news for you, Fox River. I don't care where you're at. You're at one of the campuses. You're here at Waukesha. You're online. I don't care where you're at. There's a healer in the room today. Somebody say amen if you believe that. There's a healer in the room today. Wherever your hope has been at before, wherever you've been chasing hope, listen, you don't have to chase it any longer because hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. He's able to heal your body. Come down for prayer and healing after service but he's also got another healing. That's not the only healing he has for you. He died to provide healing for your soul. He's able to forgive your sins so that you can go in peace as well. Wherever you're at in your faith today, draw near to God. Draw near to him. Don't wait any longer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the gift of hope. God, thank you for the gift of healing in our soul, but also with our body. That healing is available to as many as you choose to grant it to. 
God, thank you for hope. Thank you for healing. Thank you for the gospel which hope and healing come from. God, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for rising three days later for our life that we could be justified before you, that we could stand in right standing before you and live forever just like you live forever, Jesus. Thank you for hope and healing and the gospel. For those drawing near to Jesus for the first time today, saying, I believe in you, Jesus, and I need the healing and forgiveness that you're offering to me for my soul. God, for those praying that prayer right now, hear and receive them. If it's your prayer today to receive Jesus as Savior, would you raise your hand right now just so I can see you? Thank you, Jesus. For those online, say so in the chat as well. Thank you, Father. God, for all of us called your sons and daughters by faith in Jesus Christ, we pray, Lord, that, that by your grace, we'd be able to permanently place hope in you, Jesus, and in you alone. No matter what the situation is, no matter how crazy things might get, no matter what kind of news we receive, no matter how we feel when we roll out of bed, if we do get out of, de- out of bed uh, on those days, God, I pray that we would, by your grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit, permanently place our hope in Jesus Christ, that we might be changed because of the good work you're doing in and through us, and that it might even light the way for others. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.